Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. I'm an addict and alcoholic. This is a show for other addicts and alcoholics and also for their families and for anyone who knows us. If this is your first time listening, we have over 300 episodes in the bank. You can go back and listen to all of them. If you can't get to a meeting right now, which is completely understandable, you can go back and listen to any of our episodes. Please do. We welcome you. And if you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and like us because it makes me happy. Gives me a reason to wake up tomorrow. This is part one of my two-part series with American author and Buddhist teacher Noah Levine. In this episode, we discuss false allegations, the documentary that was just made about him, dealing with loss and tragedy and meditation, and also being uncomfortable and how we can just sit in our own skin right now. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keyes. For those of you listening, uh, we are looking at Noah Levine's hair, which is made of tattoos. Oh my, that's from Thailand, right? I what because I saw on your Instagram feed, you got that when you got that done. I can, and it was like a guy with like a, it wasn't even a tattoo gun. It was like he was hammering into your skull. They tap it in. <sighs> How bad did that hurt? Uh, they all hurt. <laughs> yeah, I know, but on your skull, that's like. Pretty That's bad. Super hurtful. Pretty <laughs> bad. Let's see. Let me change my name. Here we go. Rename. I am against the stream, but I am also Noah. There we go. Change my name too. I n- I've never liked the name Dana. No. Nah. But how are you? Like, are we? Are we live? Are we on? What are we doing here? Are we starting? Yeah, let's be on. Let's talk. Yeah. All right. Cool. How's that like? You're, you're a friend of the show. So yeah, let's just talk. <laughs> this is Noah. Noah was on the show when I had like what? Like I think um six or nine months sober the first time, right? Like so. Now I have I think, five years. It's been that fucking I feel like I'm one of your early episodes. You were. You totally were. Yeah. Super happy now, about that. Now too. you're a pro. No. I mean, nah. <laughs> but I never got meditating down, did I? No. So you have a documentary. There's a new documentary called, um, what is it called? It's called Rebel. What's it called? Rebel, uh, Dharma Rebel. That's you. Dharma Rebel Noah Levine. Yes, that's me. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it was supposed to come out, but because of COVID, it hasn't been able to really come out. Yeah. We, they they uh, premiered it at the San Francisco Documentary Festival. And I guess that the way that they're premiering stuff now so that it's not just uh, on the internet for everyone is they do it by regions. So you could only see it if you were in California. You didn't have to be in San Francisco, but you had to be in California only. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, you know, a few hundred people saw it, but only Californians. Right. So it's like it was one of those things where you just have to have a login and then you get, get to go to the screener and that. But you can't see it if you live in New York. I guess it was, I guess that's how they're doing the online film festivals these days. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how I've seen everything in the past yeah. six months. Yeah. Besides like my bed, my pillow. <laughs> I like literally don't do anything anymore. <laughs> what made you want to do this documentary? Um, I don't know if I've ever wanted to do any documentaries. Um, but this was a film crew, a director, 
out of Europe who lives in Amsterdam in, in Holland, who had done, she runs the Dutch Buddhist television pro, um, uh, channel out there. And they had done a short doc on me for their Dutch Buddhist you know, television channel um, a few years ago, like a, a while back, like maybe eight or nine years ago. And they did a good job. And it was, and it came out like they did a better job, in my opinion, than that full length documentary that came out about me in like 2000, I don't know, five or seven or something like that, um, that was called Meditate and Destroy. And I thought, oh, that documentary, I didn't, didn't love it. But they had done this great little like short, like 20 minute thing on, you know, my um, against the stream and Dharma punks. And this was before Refuge Recovery. So I, I thought, oh, like, I like them. And she's this amazing, her name's um, Babette um, uh, Vindaloo, I think. And Babette is this like old school. She used to teach in San Francisco at the Art Institute, like in the late 70s, early 80s, like in the punk rock explosion art school scene. She made a movie about the Sex Pistols in 79. And like Lydia Lunch and uh, you know Henry Rollins, like some of those early, like she made those movies. You ever see that movie with Lydia Lunch and Henry Rollins? Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> she made that movie. Freaking out. Right, so she's the director of that, and, and, but she's been a Buddhist for the last 40 years and makes all of these Buddhist documentaries on the Dalai Lama and you know, Thich Nhat Hanh and different Buddhist teachers. So when I met her, I was just like, you're my like ideal, you know, person, like, you know, the old school punk scene, and you're a Buddhist, and like, you know, of course, like, let's do something. So she had asked if she could do it. And she wanted to do it, you know, they, this film was supposed to really be about refuge recovery. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should tell your listeners a little bit more about refuge recovery, but oh, go ahead. It, yeah, go ahead. it was meant to be about, um, you know, how I had created refuge recovery, which is a Buddhist oriented path to recovering from addiction which includes meetings, peer-led meetings, like a 12-step meeting, but a Buddhist base instead of a Christian base or, you know, <laughs> theistic base. I hear you. Um, and, uh, and then also I had a treatment center. So when I, the book came out, Refuge Recovery in 2014, six years ago, and um, I opened a treatment center. And so she's like, let's make this movie about like how you're helping addicts using Buddhism, using mindfulness, and how you have a treatment center. But then in the middle of filming, and she came and she was filming my retreats through Against the Stream, like, you know, 150 people at this retreat, she's filming it. But then in the middle of her filming, I don't know how much you're aware of this, but I was falsely accused of sexual misconduct. And then this became this like whole thing in our community where people that, you know, had agendas um, used this false accusation to like really tear down my Buddhist organization, my meditation center, and also create this split within refuge recovery. So she's like filming in the middle of this. And then um, she's like, you know, this, this is uh, very disruptive to this film that I'm trying to make. So she came back, there was like a year in between. So she came back and then filmed the kind of aftermath of the accusation with this perspective of like, wow, Americans <laughs> will take hearsay and gossip and, you know, an accusation without any charges, without anything other than just like a 
he said, she said situation, and they will destroy a person's reputation, livelihood. And so also part of the film is like, let's look at how Noah handles this, right? Like how does this Buddhist teacher recovery guy handle, you know, kind of losing everything and starting, you know, after 30 years of building organizations and then starting from scratch. Mm. And so, so some of the film sort of follows uh, this, uh, you know, me and my own, you know, rebellious way saying like, hey, I'll take full responsibility for all of the ways that I've been unskillful. And there's plenty of ways that I'm not perfect. Mm. But this accusation from this ex-girlfriend, not true. <laughs> you know, right. this is not true. So, um, you know, the movie is out there. Who knows when we're going to be able to actually see it but it follows the whole process and looks at like, okay, refuge recovery goes from almost 800 meetings around the world to being split into two separate kind of, there's like this breakaway group and she comes and she films this conference where they're like trying to, they, they ended up suing me and like trying to like vote me out of the organization that I had started. And, you know, so it's, it's a lot of drama, right? But that's what, you know, that's life. And, I, you know, I mean, this isn't so much about the film, but kind of opening that can of worms of like, what an amazing opportunity for my own recovery. All of this happens, I'm 32 years sober. I got sober in 1988. I've maintained sobriety. All of this happens right around 30 years. So here I am 30 years into recovery and I'm at the height of my success. I've written four books. I'm helping thousands of addicts. I'm making money. I'm raising my children. Like, you know, life is fucking amazing. And then it just crumbles, you know? And there was three things that happened. My marriage ended, my um, father committed suicide, and then my closest friends in the community, almost all of them, not all of them, I had some serious support, but almost all of them were like, oh, you're bad for our business now, including my teacher, Jack Cornfield, who was like, you're bad for business, you gotta go away. You know, we can't stand up to these identity politics, you know, kind of attacks that are happening to you and will happen to us next if we don't get rid of you. So, so brutally painful. But what do we learn in recovery? We learn compassion. Yeah. We learn tolerance. We learn forgiveness. We learn about this is a, the next opportunity for healing and for practicing the principles and for walking the talk. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've had this amazing opportunity the last couple of years for my own recovery, for my own healing to experience failure and criticism and being misrepresented and misunderstood. And uh, what a great practice. Well, the first time I interviewed you, I remember how calmly you said, oh, this last year has been hard. I got divorced and my father died. And but you were just so calm when you said that. And if you had interviewed me the year that my father died, I, I mean, well, I was so loaded. I, I was I would have been in the wreck. But like, the way you just said that was such calmness. It was like you were just contemplating the whole thing. And like what you were talking about, about being uh, falsely accused of things, you know, like I have been sexually assaulted, but I was on the streets. I mean, it, 
like I've never said this ever before out loud. I I stole duct tape from a um like convenience store to tape my butt cheeks together so that I could sleep on the streets and not be assaulted. Yeah, that's real. And yeah, then I yeah. hear people like, well, I was raped. And it's like, by rape, do you mean regret? Or do you mean you were assaulted? Because they're different. That's why I take personal offense to those kind of stories because they're fucking different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're different things. No, yeah, I, know, I know you know so, what I mean. So confusing and so terribly painful and you know, rape and assault is so real and it's so tragic and it's so disgusting um, for somebody to falsely use that, knowing that like you can destroy somebody by saying this about them. Literally kill them. Yeah. And um, it's so, you know, so disturbing because I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect and I'm sure I have my own male cisgendered (laughs) macho conditioning. Like all of that shit is also true about me. Um, But I, I think I'm a feminist. I think I believe in equality. I believe in empowering, supporting, you know, uplifting uh, with whatever power and influence I have. I feel like equality for sure is the goal that we're moving towards. Um, So it's so, you know, it's just been so hard because, you know, it also takes away the power from all of the real um, situations where people are really abused and really, um, you know, and it's like, this just was, uh, not the case. Yeah. Yeah, Cancel culture. It's, it's it's insane. It's a ridiculous thing. Um, so how have I, I'm, well, I mean, you're just like, you're spiritual, you know, you're no Buddhist. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, was it hard for you to deal? No, it was. I, oh, why do I feel like it was easy for you to deal with. Like you were just like, "Mm," and you meditated and you were okay. Well, it was, um, as I've said, it's been incredibly painful, but not so hard. I've spent 30 years meditating on how to deal with pain. I've spent over 30 years um, training my mind to forgive myself and to forgive others and to ask for forgiveness. So it's much different for because I have that foundation of trying to develop compassion and forgiveness and acceptance. It hasn't been so hard because I have the tools and I know how to apply them. It doesn't make it any less painful. I mean, here's the, here's the reality, like pain is pain Mm. and pain is unavoidable, but without compassion, we hate it and make it worse. With compassion, we just say, oh, this fucking hurts. Wow, this is brutally painful, but I know how to tend to this pain. So it doesn't make it easy, but at least, you know, there's a, a kind of uh, an, abili- an ability to be at ease in the midst of real difficulties, real loss, real tragedy. Yeah. And we're all going through that right now, you know, with, with COVID and everything. And I, I feel like like this is what I said when I text message you. It was just like I feel like those of us who don't have a practice are just so fucking fucked right now. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? We're like, oh my god! Like especially me. Like I did have five radio jobs and now I have one or two. What like one and a half? Either way, but like I'm sitting in my feelings a lot and I hate it. I am so uncomfortable right now. 
I mean, this is what meditation and what we're doing in refuge recovery and against the stream is, you know, we train our mind to sit still and be uncomfortable and to turn towards the unpleasant emotions and the, uh, you know, difficult mind states in preparation for when the shit hits the fan. And whether that's a, you know, epidemic that, you know, comes, comes along and hits the, sh- you know, shit hits the fan for everybody, or it's a divorce or a death or an accusation or, you know, a breakup, whatever it is, um, we have, you know, we have to prepare. It's, you know, it's a little bit like recovery meetings on some level or, or another. You keep going to meetings, you keep going to, you know, be of service, you take all of those actions in preparation, not because you feel like drinking or using today, but so that when you do feel like drinking and using, you know what to do and you are in the habit of, I go to meetings, I'm of service, I meditate, I don't live a life based on self-centeredness, I live a base, life based on service and, and love and tolerance. Yeah. But we always forget, you know, like life, you know, you get sober, oh. life gets good and we start to forget about like, oh, you know, I'm so busy doing cool stuff. God, I miss that. Yeah, absolutely. I miss being busy doing cool stuff. I mean, it wasn't even cool. Like I was like going to the gym instead of church, you know, like not that I go to church. I'm a Jew, but like I would like the gym was my thing. I was doing that. And then it's like and I had all these jobs and all this voiceover stuff. And then everything just slowly kind of fizzled out during covid. And I'm just there with me. Oh my God. I mean, I've, been, I've been really trying to encourage all of my students and people in my community to try to reframe it. And I don't know, I'm curious for you how it's landing. I know you, you reached out. <laughs> and, um, but this like, can we see this as an opportunity um, for seeing like, okay, I had all of these coping mechanisms that were helping me stay ahead of my boredom, ahead of my sadness ahead of my grief ahead of my whatever and then when everything kind of gets stripped away then you're left with your own heart and mind and the reality of what's happening inside and so then this is an opportunity for oh shit i don't want to just keep running from my stuff i want to heal i want to recover i want to wake up and so uh what a great opportunity 2020 has been for awakening yeah I mean, if you're a positive person, that is exactly how you're going to say it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm like, what a piece of shit. But, yeah, but that's also true because I like I look at my mom. She's fucking thriving. She's retired and she's gotten back into painting and she's gotten accepted into shows and she's doing all this amazing artwork right now, you know, about like poverty and injustice. It's, like, just, it's amazing artwork. I'm like, I'm so proud of my mother right now. Yeah. And it's like, Meanwhile, I'm like, what? Oh my, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> like, there's only so much laundry I can do. But yeah, it's like that was the one thing I really never got down with in recovery was, I guess, the meditating. You know, like I did the service. And that's why it's like it used to be like my sponsees called me in all the wrong times. I'd be like, why right now? But now it's like every time a sponsee calls me, I'm like, thank God, you know, because it's like that's the only bit of like spirituality I get in a day literally is just helping someone else. And I mean, I'm wondering, are you're still refuge recovery is still a thing, right? Is it still you? Yeah. Well, it's it's me and it's, you know, thousands of other people that are doing it. And there's me. But yeah, I um, I'm running the refuge recovery world services nonprofit organization that supports 
refuge recovery meetings. And of course, every, you know, almost everything's on Zoom and there's, you know, lots of meetings every day, Zoom meetings, uh, but it's all, those meetings are all peer led. Once a week I do uh, through Refuge Recovery World Services, um, the, the um, organization, I do a, like a lecture where we've like gone through the book and, and done some commentary and we're going through the meditations and do some Q and A about the meditations. Um, but yeah, Le- Refuge Recovery is alive and well and thriving and new meetings starting all of the time. And, you know, it works because we meditate in every meeting. We're not going to meetings to talk about recovery. We're going to meetings to practice recovery and to do mindfulness and loving kindness and forgiveness meditations in the meeting and then have a discussion about how is this helping our process of healing and and recovering. Thank you for listening and thank you so much to Noah Levine for being on the show again. Stick around for the next episode when we talk about forgiveness and being driven to meditation out of desperation. Sound familiar? Definitely AA. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back. If you want to be on the show or you know anyone who should be on the show, please contact us. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's go-toproductions.com. You can also call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.